This is our 2019 vision for Calvary Chapel. And listen very carefully. The Bible says a people without a vision perish. I'm required to cast vision to the church. The people in the church, for the most part, just don't have a vision for the church that they're in. And not everybody has vision for missions. Not everybody has vision for children's ministry or youth or worship or cafe or facilities or whatever it may be. And listen, that's okay. But there is that one vision that we can all collectively get behind. It's vision that affects us all. It affects our children, a future of our children, our children's children, our community. And if you don't have collective vision, that's totally okay too. Because that's the leadership's responsibility when they are casting vision. Today I'm casting our vision for 2019 for our church collectively. And the best example of a vision caster of all time was a man named Nehemiah. And we can learn biblically what a successful collective united together vision actually looks like. See, Nehemiah is a perfect example of a united vision caster that gives the people focus as he took the necessary steps to see the wall of Jerusalem to be rebuilt. You see, in the book of Nehemiah, there were no miracles, no signs or wonders, no one raised from the dead, no one was cured or cleansed of leprosy or, or healed of blindness. And that's sort of like most of our lives, and that's like my life. You see, if I could be like Elijah and cast vision, then call fire down from heaven and burn up an altar, everyone would be united. Everybody would be on board. I mean, if you could call fire down from heaven, people will follow you. You can lead some people now. They will be focused. And if you could raise somebody from the dead, I mean, how difficult would it be to lead with that kind of power? But if you don't, then you're in the same boat as Nehemiah, and that's the boat that I'm in. You see, if you don't know the story, Nehemiah was a cupbearer in the palace of a Persian king named Artaxerxes. The nation of Israel was in captivity for over 70 years. Nehemiah, an Israelite, worked directly to the king. One day, he got word from his brothers who just visited Jerusalem that the walls were shattered and were down. This was God's time for their captivity to be over, to let them go back to their country. And instantly, Nehemiah heard of a problem. The walls are down. That's a reproach to our city. And then the burden came. And after the burden came, then it came to prayer. He started to pray. You see, burden is the first thing you must have, and prayer is the first thing you must do. And from the burden and from prayer comes vision. Then he began to plan. And listen, what solidifies burden is this. If I don't get it done, it won't get done. That's, that's burden. You know, people who say, hey, somebody should take care of that. Somebody should do that. I'm really burdened about that. That's not a burden. Because a burden is, if I don't get it done, it won't get done. I want to be the solution to this problem. That's a burden. He's planning on how this could come about in being a solution to this problem. And the opportunity came up for Nehemiah to share his vision with the king. The king saw his face was sad and was kind of downcast. The king asked him what was wrong. And so Nehemiah started going into the building, uh, the building the walls in Jerusalem. And the king says, you know what, how can I help? So Nehemiah shared his plan. He took a mental picture of what could be and should be, how long he'd be gone. And the response was the king said, I, I'm in on this. This is an incredible story of this man going back to Jerusalem to a group of people he didn't know, nor did they know him, collectively, unitedly coming together to see the wall of Jerusalem rebuilt. It's amazing. There is, listen, an important principle laced through the book of Nehemiah that is attached to vision. When God guides, he provides. 
For what God originates, he will orchestrate. Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem, and he is going to address the people with his vision about rebuilding the wall in chapter 2. So he gets there, and he goes out at night, and he surveys the landscape. He gathers in information. He gets information on the city, on the state of the walls, where and how much it's going to take, how long it's going to take. Then he organizes his thoughts, his notes, and then he gathers the people together. Now listen, these people have been living amongst this broken down wall for 70 years. They don't even see there's a problem. You must understand, to the people of Jerusalem, it wasn't a problem to them. I mean, this is the way it's always been for 70 years. They don't even see the broken down walls anymore or the rubble. They've been living amongst it for so long, they just don't see it. And it's up to Nehemiah to help them see it. So in chapter 2, verse 17, it says this, Then I said to them, here he is casting his vision. You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. Now, you see the problem that we're in. And they're probably looking and going, what problem? Well, Jerusalem lies in ruins or in waste, as, as some translations put it. We know. We've been here for 70 years. And listen, even that one little verse right there, I don't think we encapsulated exactly the whole speech that took place. I mean, it took them four chapters to rebuild the wall, which is almost two months. So we're not probably getting the whole gist of the, uh, of the speech just in one verse. But we do have the essence of the speech right here. Three things. Number one, he says we have a problem. Number two, he says, I have a solution. And number three, here's why it needs to be done. So notice, Nehemiah defined the problem. He said, Jerusalem is in waste or it's in ruins. That was a problem. Now, for our church, <laughs> we're, we're not in ruins. But what is actually beginning to be in ruins is the area where the portables are. You see, they're old. We, we bought them used. They're leaking, but we fix them. The boards on the walkway are warping, but we replace them. The boards are having wood rot. We replace those. It's, it's, it's at night, at times when it's raining, it gets very slick sometimes. The portables are detached from the rest of the church. And the area is lacking the kind of safety that we would like to have for our kids. You know, and it keeps the children's ministry from having a really good flow to it. See, the thing is this, we've been around it for so long, we don't even see it anymore. Just like the children of Israel. They've been amongst the ruins for 70 years, and they are thinking, what ruins? And we can think the same way. We might not ever see it as a problem until I pointed it out that it is a problem. And what, what this area could be is far greater than what it is right now. Folks, it's been around for so long we don't even know that there e even a problem exists. We've been acclimated around it like the people of Jerusalem, and they just don't see the ruins anymore. But I'll tell you who does see the ruins, who does see the dilapidation that's taken place. Like Nehemiah, he was a visitor, you know, to Jerusalem. He's the one who saw it. He's the one who pointed out. Many times visitors who come to our church, they also see it too. See, the idea behind Nehemiah was saying, let us rebuild is that it's going to benefit not only just us, but the future of our children, our grandchildren here in Jerusalem. There'll be security. There'll be confidence. 
They're not in disarray, scattered about, and vulnerable to attacks from the enemy, vulnerable to insecurity. Let us rebuild, had Israel's future written all over it. On top of that, when more of the nation started moving back to Jerusalem, after the captivity, it would be a secure place for their children and for the other folks that are coming. That would be key to them moving back. Once they know it was secure, then they would start to come. Thus, let us build had growth written all over it. The city would begin to grow again because all the plus surrounded around let us rebuild. You know, listen, I believe in the same way for us here at Calvary Chapel. To build is not only going to benefit us right now and our children right now, but our future of our grandchildren, our children's children. The way it will be set up puts our children all in one place. It will be, you'll be walled and secured by the doors. The courtyard is a place they can play and not be outside running around outside of the building. It's going to be important to new people visiting our church for their children, but also for those outside that would be coming for our daycare, you know, from their start of preschool. Now, others, you know, and us and visitors begin to come. I mean, we others now others, others other than us and visitors begin to come. We have something in our community in this area for parents with little kids. It's not only a daycare, but it's a Christ centered daycare. Now it gives an opportunity to minister to them. And when we can minister to those little children like that in a daycare, we're ministering to their parents. And like with Nehemiah, it has growth written all over it. It's advancement for the kingdom of God. And the third thing, not only to rebuild, but also that we will no longer be a reproach. And here's why it needs to be done. For Israel to no longer be a reproach means they would no longer be criticized or accusations being said. Basically, look at the nation of Israel. Oh, what a shame. They could have done something, but they didn't. They could have been secure, but they didn't. They could have helped themselves and their children for their future, but they didn't. They could have helped more of the nation to come back, but they did not. What they could have done or should have done, they didn't do anything. If they didn't do anything, well, that would have been a reproach. It was too hard to. We don't want to be that kind of people, said Nehemiah, a reproach, criticized, accused of, you could have done something but you chose status quo. And listen, in the same way, if the opportunity is given to us to be what we know we can do, no one can say, well, Calvary could have done this or Calvary should have done this. They had plenty of room to do it. The potential was all before them, but they said, no, it was too much. They continued with the same old, same old status quo when they could have done something good for themselves, good for the future of the next generation, good for the community they live in, and something that would bring glory to God. But no. Listen, the reason we want to do this is for the reason we don't want to miss our opportunity to be what we could be and should be all for the glory of God in progressing his church. And then Nehemiah said right after that in verse 18, and I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken to me, so they said, the people said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. Listen, it was important to Nehemiah to let these folks know that he's casting the vision to that God has been good to him, that God's hand is upon him. Now, here's a question for us. 
Do you believe God's hand is upon this church, Calvary Chapel? Do you believe God has been good to Calvary Chapel? Think about it with me for a second. How do you go from a handful of people meeting in a movie theater to 28 acres on Mayhem in the middle of horse country, and we've never passed an offering plate? We didn't give a speech about giving every single Sunday so people would give. We never done a fundraiser, and here we are. Man has not gotten in the way of God and what he wanted to do. He's been good to us. And listen, when we were building this building 12 years ago, I, you know, it was, a, it was a very stressful time because we didn't have any water or sewer out here. But we thought, that's going to be okay. We can go ahead and you know, dig wells and, and you know, put a septic tank in and those kinds of things like that. But we found out through the county what they required of us, it went totally beyond anything that we had budgeted, hundreds and thousands of dollars beyond what we could budget. And so we went to the city of Tallahassee. They said, no way, we're going to bring it out there. We went to Talquin. They wanted to make a deal by putting us donating property to them. And they put a tower up there, but they're, not gonna, they're still going to charge us for water. And then finally, we just had to go back to them again and almost beg them. And so we went back to Talquin and said, listen, okay, you want to put a water tower up? You want to charge us for it? We'll give you the property. You can have it. But here's what happened. They told us well, we would do that, but just a week or so ago, the city – commission or the county commission one of those two annexed them out of this area so they have no authority in this area at all and they were very upset about that so we went back to the city of tallahassee who was given this area and they said yeah guess what we found an extra million dollars in our budget and we plan on running water all the way out to jefferson county down mayhan in that area we go great that's wonderful but we need water now <laughs> we need it in six months they go no problem we'll phase it out and so they brought water right up to our property line and stopped it right then and there for free, for nothing. They also brought sewer in for free, for nothing. I mean, it was an amazing thing that God did. And here's what's more amazing. That was 12 years ago. They have not run the water or sewer any, any, any further down Mayhan up to Jefferson County. It still stops at our property line. It's almost like we're in this parentheses of God working in the 11th hour on our behalf with these county commissioners orchestrating for us, saving hundreds and thousands of dollars. I mean, what God originates, he did orchestrate. When God guides, he did provide. God has been good to Calvary Chapel. And here's what I will ask of you. For this year, 2019, from January through December, that this would be our time to pray about this building project to seek God on this like Nehemiah did. If God puts it on your heart to give as you pray, then we have a building fund that we'll, we'll, you'll go right straight into every bit. Nehemiah prayed, then took the opportunity to throw himself into it. And in the same way, I'm asking you, will you pray? Then after God confirms it in your heart, throw yourself into it. That's what Debbie and I, my wife, are doing. We're saying this year we're giving at least two to $300 above our tithe to the building fund. We prayed about it. We feel strong about this. And so God would have us to do this. And maybe that's a challenge that you might want to take for some of you out there too. But if you don't give at all, may this be the year that changes that for you. And I say that because, listen, if you agree that God has been good to Calvary Chapel, that God's fingerprints has been all over Calvary Chapel, then you know you're partnering with God on something that he's a part of, that he's blessing, and he's going to bless you in the same way. There is still 
the very fact is that we still got that eight acres behind us and there's still potential for that in the near future. But then after Nehemiah did this speech in verse 18, the people said, let us rebuild. Then they set their hands to this good work. My prayer is this. This is what we all can say to this vision. Let us do this. Let us roll up our sleeves and let's do it after we prayed about it. Because it was amazing. They built that wall in Jerusalem in, in less than two months. And it was a feat, a feat that even the enemies of Israel marveled at. And they even attributed to God's enabling. God got the glory from Israel's enemies. They didn't limit God in what he could do in such a short amount of time. And you know what? I don't want to limit God in what he could do for us in a short amount of time either. Because he can do anything abundantly, amazingly beyond what we even imagine or think. And so I present that to you as our vision, not just for 2019, but this is for the next number of decades. It's for us now. It's for our future. It's for our community. And it's for giving God the glory for it all.